many of you know uh, my personal story? Uh, I was uh, involved in ministry at a very young age uh, and uh, pastoring, associate pastors and churches and stuff until I hit about 30 years old or so and then I got very discouraged and, and got out because <laughs> it was miserable. <laughs> it was terrible. It just didn't work. And uh, We stayed involved in the church but we got out of ministry and uh, we had our own business and stuff for uh, you know, almost 20 years. After that time, after the kids have grown away and stuff like that, I really felt like God wanted us to get back into the ministry. But where do you start from point zero? And uh, it was uh, really a struggle. And I remember sending some letters out. And I had met uh, our guest speaker this morning. And uh, I sent him a letter and said, <laughs> my comment was, do you know anybody who could use a Puerto Rican piano player? <laughs> and he says, I'll take you. <laughs> So uh, we came to Green Bay, started working with him. He is the founding pastor of what became Celebration Church. He is the single greatest influence in my life that got me into ministry. After not preaching for almost 20 years, he encouraged me to start speaking and, uh, and egging me on in that way. Uh, and, and what became this church and a Laffyway America that has touched the lives of millions of people over the last decade plus was his idea in the first place. He egged me on to do it. I can honestly say, had it not been for this man, I would not be doing what I'm doing today. I would not be here today. Would you please all stand together and welcome our very special guest this morning, Pastor Arnie Jacobson. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Well, it is great to be here today. Uh, it's great uh, that uh, Mark extended this invitation to me and in our uh, rebutting relationship. Hallelujah. Can somebody say amen? amen? Now, I only have 25 minutes. I usually preach two hours. <laughs> so I'll have to condense it considerably. I want to bring you a message today entitled Five Keys to Reaching Your Family for Christ. Let me ask you a quick question. How many of you in the room today have relatives that don't know Christ. That's a, unanimous. There's a couple you didn't raise your hand. I want to. I want to have time to talk to you after because we have to go to the West Side. But I want to know what how you pulled it off. My good friend Dick Eastman, who's the head of Every Home for Christ in Colorado Springs, Colorado, uh, when he endorsed this book along with Jack Hayford and a few others, he said. Uh, when he read it, he said, Arnie, we have to raise millions and millions of dollars every year. Their goal is to reach the globe and give everybody a gospel message. And many of their donors, he said, our biggest prayer request from our donors and that come in from people that are helping us is for their family and friends to come to Jesus Christ. When I first came out with the book, Rich Wilkerson had me on TVN and uh, I, we didn't know if they'd bleep this. Uh, of course, they never do that to Mark. Uh, but anyhow, uh, we, I use this illustration. Rich has four children. He's got uh, four boys. I have two children. By the way, Chad is doing great in Utah. So is Josh. This Easter, they hit 1,000 for the first time in attendance. They have four Sunday morning services. They're going crazy. We're working at doubling their space. I'm not there many weekends, but thanks for praying for them. Uh, they were raised in this church. The DNA of what God established here many years ago is in their life. But back to Rich, so we're on the set and talking about the book. So I said, Rich, let me illustrate it this way. You have four children, I have two children. Now his four boys are saved, my two kids are saved, okay? Understand this is just an illustration. 
So I said, let's just say that none of them were saved. And God would come to me and say, Arnie, here's your choice. You can have you two kids get saved or Rich's four boys. Now, God wouldn't do that. Please, I'm making an illustration. Here's what I, what, what do you think I would say? Rich, your four boys can go to hell. I want my two kids to go to heaven. How many know that blood is thicker than water? So I wrote this book, and, it, and I've been traveling, and it's one of the things I do when I travel. Five keys to reaching your family for Christ. It's a simple thing, right from Scripture, Acts 16. We're going to get there in a minute, and I'll quickly give you the five keys. I brought a number of these books along. They're $10, okay? All proceeds go to feed a hungry family in Utah. Mine. <laughs> so... Pick one up. Now, even if you don't read it, it looks good sitting on an end table. It has uh, a lot of effect that way. Amen. Open, open your Bibles with me, please, to Acts chapter 16 as we look at from the history book of the New Testament, the book of Acts. It's interesting in early documents that the book of Acts is the only book in the Bible that does not have a period. See, this church is continually writing new chapters in the book of Acts, even though they don't get put in the canon of Scripture. Your life is an extension of what God's Son came to do for us on the cross. And so he made promises to us. How many know that God is not a man that he should lie? When I first became a Christian in 1967, they sang a chorus in our church. Every promise in the book is true, every chapter, every verse, every line. And I'm standing on those promises. Today I want to give you an encouraging word. Hello. A lot of what you see on the news is discouraging, right? But I want to tell you, we have the answer in the church of Jesus Christ. And like myself, I want to see my family come to Christ, extended family come to Christ. So let's pray that God would take this next number of minutes and anoint them and, and give you a word of encouragement. Father, I thank you today for the power of your spirit. I thank you, Lord, that you're a God who loves us, who cares for us. And now, Lord, take this word, these five simple keys, because we know it takes a key to get things started. Maybe today, Lord, there's someone that's discouraged about a loved one, friend, especially close to them that needs Christ. Help them in Jesus' name. Acts chapter 16, verse 16. Now it happened as we went to prayer. The first key is prayer. Say that with me. Prayer. A little bit better. Prayer. Prayer is, it, it, it makes things happen. Pastor Mark's a happening kind of guy. The church needs to be a happening kind of place. I don't like to be around things where things are not happening. And prayer moves the hand of God. There's a great new book. You should write this down. Maybe you have it in your, in your bookstore or if not get it. It's called The Circle Maker. The Circle Maker by Mark Batterson. And it's a, he's a pastor in Washington, D.C. that pioneered a church there. And it's going gangbusters. They're meeting in all kinds of theaters. They're seeing God do wonderful things. Actually, the book is a New York Times bestseller. And I mean, it's got to touch the heart of a lot of people to hit that list. I know, Mark, has yours ever hit the New York? I think, did it hit? Eddie's did. Yeah, well, you know how that goes. <laughs> I just finished a new book that Mark has endorsed called The High Cost of Resentment. But the reality is, this book talks about 
focused prayer. It talked about a guy years ago, many, many centuries ago, and there was a terrible drought in the land, and he drew a circle, and he stood in the circle, and he said, God, I'm not moving out of this circle till you break the drought. It was terrible conditions. And he stood there, and after a while, and he just believed God. He wasn't moving out of the circle. And when he prayed, eventually it started to rain, and rained very hard, and broke the back of that terrible drought. I pray all the time for our family. In fact, I had Lathan go get my briefcase because I forgot. I have a little journal here. After I read The Circle Maker, and I, and I, went, I had my wife take a, well, my little grandson did a little uh, circling of his own in here on my <laughs> desk. But I have prayer circles throughout this book. Mark, you have a circle in here. I got you circled in prayer, family, situations, people who are sick. And, and you focus your prayer. When we were kids, in fact, I almost brought it along. I'm staying with my mom. She has on, a, on an end table a magnifying glass. Uh, you know, I don't, she's only 92. She really doesn't need it. But, but it, did you ever, as a kid, take a magnifying glass, get a pile of leaves or a newspaper, hold it in the sun, and it just focus that beam, and boom, it lights. I think we need to get focused in our prayers and focused in our prayers for the family. So what's the first key? Prayer. All right, let's find the second key. So they, it happened as they went up to the prayer that a, uh, that a girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. The girl followed Paul and Silas, cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of the gospel, the way of salvation. And this she did for many days, and Paul, being greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very moment. Now here's what you got to realize. When you start praying for your family, when you start getting focused, expect demonic opposition. That's the second key. The one thing, you know, we blame the devil for a lot of stuff. Years ago I read a book, a guy was talking about the bush, a devil behind every bush, you chewed your fingernails, you had a demon of fingernail chewing, come on now. Crazy stuff. You know there's a lot of fruitcakes out there, aren't there? But the reality is this. The devil doesn't want to see your family saved. He's read the last few chapters of the book. We'd like the Packers to win the Super Bowl. There's a poor usher here. It's got a Pittsburgh Pirate shirt on. Bless his heart. They're 0-4. Now, we don't know if the Packers are going to win it. A lot of things we don't know. I don't know when I'm going to die. I don't want to know. But you know, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Think about that a minute. But anyhow, the devil wants to fight you, discourage you. He, some of them make fun of you. Some of them, uh, they just can't stand your church. And, uh, that's the entertainment church. That's the church with the funny pastor. Now, Mark is a little funny, let's face it. There were times years ago when he would be in the office going crazy, and we'd, I'd have to say, Mark, cool it. We've got to get the people off the floor and back to work. <laughs> They're crazy. <laughs> But the reality is this, the devil wants to, to, to fight you and discourage you. So this little girl's following them. Now, let's, let's say Pastor Mark and I went out to lunch, and some little girl would follow us and say, oh, there's Pastor Anna and Pastor Mark. They're servants of the Most High God. And they tell you the way of salvation. We'd say, honey, you want to come to church and give a testimony? But see, he knew she was possessed of the devil. And it annoyed him. And he commanded the devil to come out of her. And then it says that, uh, it, 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 so you got to realize when you get focused on your prayers, 
and you start praying for your family and you get a group this size and all of the, of the, the services we'll have today and those of you that are watching on the internet or will watch the broadcast on television, it, it, the devil doesn't like this kind of stuff. So he'll want to discourage you and he'll want to bring stuff against you. The Bible says, well, you know, if nothing is happening in your life, if there aren't people saying stuff about you, then you're probably not doing anything. I mean, I, I want to stir up the devil continually. We're in Salt Lake City, Utah. The state of Utah is the largest mission field in the world. One half of 1% of the entire population is Christian. Hello? Think about that a minute. You can go to the darkest part of Africa and find more Christians. <laughs> Think the devil liked my son going there to start a church? No, he didn't. First couple years were discouraging. Things happened that discouraged us. And the devil uses that stuff. Come on now. But when you push through and you win and you stand against him. So know the devil's going to come at you. First key is what? Prayer. Second key. Let me, let me paraphrase it a little bit. So what happens now? Well, I better read the scripture so you believe me. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. The NIV says they are creating an uproar in our city. Uproar. That's the third key. When you really get cooking with your family, when you really start standing against the devil, you'll create an uproar in the city. An uproar. Why did they get so mad? See, these men who had this girl who was prophesying through the demonic powers of the devil, they were making money off it. I'm not worried about saying this here, especially here, because I know Pastor Mark. They were pimping her gift. There, I said pimp in church. Can you believe it? They were making money off of her gift. And I want to tell you, when people come to Christ and family members get changed and their lifestyles get changed and things begin to happen in their lives, it turns around and money that they were forking over to the devil now is not going to his kingdom. And their influence for the devil isn't going. And then that creates an uproar in the city. We had all kinds of things said about us early on in the church here. When we first bought this property, somebody in the city said, that we, I brought 10 guys out here and made them all give 100 grand. I never thought of that, Mark. But they were passing that around. I mean, there was other stuff. There was another thing going around that to join this church, there was a $500 initiation fee. Well, my goodness, why didn't I think of that? That would make the membership classes quite interesting. Bring your credit cards and, and your checkbooks and, you know, we'll get you in the door with 500 bucks. Crazy stuff. All kinds of things. When you create an uproar. They'll judge how you live. They'll judge how you look. They'll judge what you drive. Are you, are you there? Tithing. Oh, you know, that church, they just want your money. Money, 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 money. Oh, they're just, you better leave your wallet and everything in the car and your checkbook. Pastor Mark's just after your money, 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 money. Right? You've heard that. The Bible says you give God the tithe first. That, that creates an uproar in people. If you're not giving God his tithe, you're robbing God. Now I can say all those things and leave town. If you're ticked at me, I'm going back to Utah. I'm going to have coffee tomorrow morning at my favorite coffee shop in Utah. And you can just burn your tail. But I'm telling you the truth. 
Can I get an amen from the tithers? Oh, that's good, good. Created an uproar. And then what happens to them is sort of interesting. I I really get into the Bible. Okay, what's the first key? Second key? Third key? Creating an uproar. Let me just finish before we launch into the fourth key here. They take them before the magistrates. Now, you got to get into the scripture to grab a hold of this. I still spit, forgive me. (laughs) It isn't because I'm old, it's because I always spit. So they drag them before the magistrates, and I, I get in the scripture, and, and it says they tore their clothes off, and they beat them. But I get really in there. I'm thinking, how much of their clothes did they tear off? <laughs> did they just take them down to their tidy whities Now you talk about humiliating. You just go up to pray. Okay, that's a good thing, right? You deliver this poor little girl, and all of a sudden everybody's ticked at you. Now they're throwing you in there, tearing your clothes off, and they're beating you. And they knew how to beat you, pull your flesh off. It was ugly, terrible. It's not that I'm, you know, weird, but that's reality. I, see, sometimes you don't get into the scripture and you miss so much when you don't get in and say, what's it like to be there? What, I think, what was it like to see Jesus crucified? What was it like to see him raising people from the dead? You got to get in the scripture. Man, that, I got up early this morning, and I'm, I'm reading some stuff, and I got a good friend, Larry Stocksdale, and he's got a devotional, and I read that, and I, and I get into the scripture, and I was in Jeremiah today, and they were talking about the root of, of David and Jesus. I'm getting excited, because that was years and years before he came. The Bible is true. Every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. So now they throw him in prison. When I was doing research for the book, I went back and researched those prisons, and when you think about those prisons, they were bad spots. And now we think of prison today, you know, a cell, a little commode, and a bunk, and bars. Now here's these. Not like that. There's no air handling. There's no cells. They had the innermost part of the prison. They had the outer part. And they put the less offensive in the outer part and the most offensive in the inner part. You know how they got rid of the uh, human excrement? They had little troughs running through. And people would do their business in little troughs. And then there were rats and mice. My old Uncle Oliver, the poor guy, man, he, 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 when he talked, he just swore. I don't, <laughs> and he had an expression when something stunk really bad. He said it was enough to gag a maggot on a gut wagon. <laughs> Come on now. All right, wake up. I hope that goes over better in these other places I'm going today. It's a bad spot. On top of that, they're in the innermost part of the prison with the murderers, the drunkards, the rapists, the worst of the worst. And what did they do? They prayed. They delivered a poor little girl from her problems. So what do they do? And I always put myself, what would I think at this? Well, I just went up to pray, and man, I delivered this little girl. Now I'm in the slammer in the worst part, and it stinks in here, and there are rats and bugs, and I'm bleeding, and, and it's terrible, and I'm hurting. I've had people come and tell me, you know, Pastor, I didn't feel like worshiping today. I've got a bad diagnosis. I don't feel good. That leads us to, this, to, the, to the fourth key, worship. Some of you need to really understand what that's about. You look, some of you look like the frozen chosen. <laughs> Oh, this afternoon, you'll jump up in your living room, and oh, man, they scored a touchdown. Woo! High five. You know, it's just, you come to church, man, I better not do that there, man. We got a lot more to shout about than the Green Bay Packers or the Pittsburgh Steelers or anybody else. 
Can I, can I get an amen? So at midnight, in this terrible place, in this awful place, what do they do? They, they worship. They sing hymns. Now, us, the older people would like that. Today, if it happened, we'd sing contemporary stuff, and, you know, the old people would sit in the corner and say, what are they doing? <laughs> so they worship. And there's a little... I, I, you got to believe because I, I don't have much time left. It says, and the prisoners listen. Now, these are bad guys. These are, there's guys in there that knocked off the first bank of Philippi, ran the, the teller through with a sword. He's in for 25 to life. And as they're worshiping, the prisoners are listening. The place begins to shake. I have earthquake insurance in our house in, in, in Salt Lake because we sit on a fault. And I want to make sure if, the, if our house goes in, I get some money out of it, okay? <laughs> but the place starts to shake. Shake. And all of a sudden, the doors fly open, and the uh, stocks come off their hands and feet. I didn't say socks. I said stocks. And now here, I put myself in there again. Let's say I'm in there for knocking off the first bank of Philippi, and I'd kill someone in the process. And the doors fly open. Hi-o, silver away. Man, I'm out the door. I'm knocking someone off their chariot. I'm heading out of, I'm heading out of, out of Philippi, man, or, or Ephesus. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go and hide out. And the Bible says no one moved. It was after worship. See, worship is powerful. I had people come, oh, Pastor, I don't feel like worshiping. I don't feel good. That's when you should worship. I'm sick. That's when you should worship. I'm broke. That's when you should worship. So that's a, okay, let's, let's re recap. First key is? Second key? Third key, fourth key, fifth key is Acts 16.31, says this. Okay, but after the place shook, the jailer comes running. And he's got his sword and he's about to kill himself. Now that's sort of drastic. <laughs> I mean, if you were working at the prison over there on uh, 172 and there was a breakout, you think you'd pull your gun, shoot your brains out? <laughs> no. But in that culture, and he lived right on site, in that culture... If you lost a prisoner, the Romans killed you, and they didn't kill you fast. They killed you slow. So he's going to take care of himself. Paul shouts out, the Bible says, don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer comes running to Paul and says, what must we do to be saved? He didn't even have time to whip out his Gideon Bible, his four spiritual laws, share his testimony, anything. I want to tell you, when this thing gets going and family and friends start getting saved, they'll run. You'll just say, well, just say, Jesus, come into my life. So many of you are frightened to share the gospel. There's a fear that that's the part of the enemy thing. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. Then the scripture said, he says to him, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved in your household. A lot of times we think of our house, we think of our address. Go home today, try to lead your garage door to the Lord. See if your cupboards would receive Christ. You know, look at your, your commode and say, you want to accept Jesus? If it talks back to you, you got a real problem. <laughs> It's not about that stuff. It's about giving your life to Christ. The Bible says God is not a man that he should lie. God will reach your family. I have circles in my book, and I've done this for years. I've got Bibles where I've written these things, and I believe in God. And see, here's the thing. Well, when you start praying for your family, now if I have a gift, I can lead people to Christ. In fact, I tipped a guy in the, over on the airplane coming from Salt Lake to Minneapolis the other day. Sitting next to me, told him about Christ. He's a backslider, gave his life back to Christ. He's in church in Salt Lake City this morning. He was flying back to Utah. Amen. 
Now, let me tell you one story. There was a number of years ago, uh, it was a Saturday morning, I was flying out of here. I get upgraded a lot because I fly a lot. It's nicer up front. I'm tall. <laughs> it is, isn't it, Mark? More leg room, and they actually feed you more than peanuts. And uh, so I get upgraded. I sit next to the guy. The Packers had played the Colts in preseason the night before, and they whooped up on him pretty good. And, uh, we're taking off from Minneapolis. I said to the guy, I said, uh, you heading home? He said, yeah. And I asked him, I said, uh, how'd you get a ticket to the game? Because, you know, they fill it up on preseason. He said, well, I work for ESPN. His name was Harold. He said, I work for ESPN, and uh, we come in and set up for the Monday night crew, and that was a Thursday night game with the Monday night crew doing it. I didn't figure that out. Why didn't they bring the Thursday night crew in? But anyhow, he sets up, and so uh, we get to talking. He, I said, where do you live? He said, I live in Park City, Utah. I said, oh, my son started a church in Salt Lake. That's just down the hill. And uh, we take off from Minneapolis. And I told him about my family. I said, you got a family? And, and this 50-year-old guy, tears in his eyes. I mean, that wasn't that emotional, unless his kids were, you know. Some of you cry when you think of your kids. <laughs> but uh, now, come on. Just Anyhow, uh, so I said to him, well, what's up? He said, I had a family. He said, we built our house out by the mountains in Salt Lake a number of years ago. And we had to have a, a well, and we had to have a propane to heat. We were so excited, we moved into our new house first night in. We had a great night with our, with, our two, with our two kids. Eight days later, I woke up coming out of a coma, carbon monoxide poisoning. My wife and I made it, the two kids were dead, five and three. And he says to me, why would God do something like that? He already found out I was a preacher. And I said, if I had that answer, I could write a book, sell millions and millions of copies. But I said, Harold, you can see those boys again. Now grab this. Then he says to me, are you one of those believing preachers? It's sad that there's a difference, isn't it? Who'd want to do this if you didn't believe in Christ? I've got scars all over me, man. If I, if I didn't believe this stuff, are you tracking with me? Amen. <laughs> I said, yeah. He said, my mother lived in Las Vegas. And uh, she was a believing Christian, and she always told me the same thing. That was her words. Harold, you can see those kids again, but you've got to give your life to Christ. I said, Harold, don't you think it's time? And he said, yeah. Pilot comes on and says, we're going to start our gradual descent into the Minneapolis airport. I grabbed him by the hand. He's sobbing. Gives his life to Christ. We're walking out, and I just happened to have, I just come out with the book. I hadn't had a book, and I gave it to him. I'm walking away from him. I was flying to Phoenix. He was going back to Salt Lake. And he said, hey, Arnie. I said, what? He said, you answered my mother's prayers. You see, so when you pray and other people are praying, you might not flip them over. Maybe they live in another city. Maybe, maybe whatever. Every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. Stand up with me quickly. I got 33 seconds. <laughs> I, just, I just got this email day before yesterday. It says, Arnie, I wanted to email you to tell you thank you. Do you remember when you came to our church and preached a sermon about saving friends and family, family and we wrote, their, we wrote their names on paper and put them in our Bibles? I have seen part of my list come to, to the Lord. It's an awesome thing to have that happen and watch how God moves in their lives. So anyway, I just wanted to share the praise report and to thank you for all you do. Sincerely, Cindy Cook. I don't even know who she is. Here's the deal. Most everybody in this room raised their hands a few minutes ago and said, I, I've got relatives and family. Now here's what you do. Get one of my books. I don't know if we'll run out. Maybe my faith wasn't good enough. I was worried some of you might bring tomatoes and be thrown at me. Oh, but I'm fast yet. I move well for my age. 
But I wanna, I wanna challenge you to make a list and put today's date. You can even go on Ancestry.com. Did you know that the Mormons own Ancestry.com? Did you know that? Because they baptize people for the dead. They wanna get a hold of your records. That's a bunch of garbage too. Excuse me if you're watching on TV, Mormon. <laughs> you better get your life right with Jesus because, man, you can bat. When you're dead, the worms crawl in, worms crawl out, and you're not getting saved when you're dead if you're not already saved. Right. So how many want to believe God in a minute? But before we just raise our hands, I want to ask you this question. If you're here today and you don't have Christ in your heart, you're lost, you're going to hell. It's that simple. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed just for a moment. You say, you know what, Pastor Arnie? You might be, some mom might have been praying for you for years or some uncle and you came to this church today and you can get your life right with Christ as heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Just raise your hand right now. Is there anybody in this room? Yes, sir. Is there anybody else? Come on. Yes, 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 yes. Anybody else? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's pray together, my brother, future brother. Let's pray this prayer. Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm sorry. That's not enough. Come into my life. Save me today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I want to pray quickly for the rest of you. I'm, I'm, about, I'm 30 seconds over. Is that okay, Mark? Hello? I don't want to get it mad at me. Uh, how many of you just look me in the eye and say, man, I want to see my family come to Christ. I'm going to re-engage myself. Come on. I'm going to re-engage myself. Get the book, it'll help you. I've co I'm coming out with a new thing called Aware. I'll send you a whole bunch, it's just a brochure. We'll give you a personal plan for your neighborhood, for your workplace, and for your school. And it, it doesn't mean you walk up to them and say, oh, you're going to hell, you gotta come to my Jesus. It'll give you a plan. So put your, put your hands up, both of them. Well, I don't like doing that, Pastor. If I had a gun in my hand, you'd throw your hands up and heart be okay, anything you ask. Pray this with me, Lord. Your word says, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thou shalt be saved and my household. I believe it because it's a promise and every promise is true. Amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering, shall we? Amen.